let's get started. Let's see if there's any sound. And of course, it's been working pretty reliably lately, so it's been pretty good. Of course, it's been yeah. working pretty reliably. There we go. <clears throat> Five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin TMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Went down a few registers. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to let's dig right into the news. But before we do, as always, we have a little bit of fun. And here we go. Domino. Yolo. Fifty percent off pizza when you spend thirty pound or more online. Okay, so anyway, uh, you know, this week we've delved into the use of humor, and that humorous ads tend to do better, actually, a little better than than not humorous. I I believe now that. Domino's, at least in the UK, is taking orders via Yodel, and uh, so if you're, you know, if you're into that, away you go. Um, let's get over to the regular news. Okay, so how does your direct mail feel? This is from Summer Gould, my friend, and um, I really like the way she started this out. The tactile nature of direct mail is a huge asset when used correctly. Did you know that human fingertips? are probably the most sensitive skin areas in the animal world. They can feel the difference between a smooth surface and one with a pattern embedded just three nm deep. I don't know what that is, nanometers? It's very small, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. This is due to epidermal ridges on the surface of the fingertips. So your, finger, your fingerprint has a function, uh, and it allows better tactile response it probably also lets the the nerves gives you a higher uh, a higher number of of uh, nerve sensors per square millimeter or something like that anyway which allows humans to differentiate a wide range of textures materials temperatures and pressures yeah something you take for granted almost every day so to get the most out of direct mail, we should add texture to quickly engage prospects and customers. And right off the bat, you know, I always have something to add. Whether you add texture or you don't, your direct mail will have texture. You know, the, the type of the type of paper that you have in your this is a greeting card uh, from Joanne Gore. Yeah, that's right, Joanne. So you got an uncoded uh, cardstock there. Um, but whether or not you code it or don't code it or whatever, you will be, you will be sending a message. So the first point is you're going to send a message with mail that is not available in digital, right? You just don't have it. So right off the bat, mail elevates engagement through touch. And according to the CEPI study and and uh, neuro their their neural study your brain has 10 times the receptors for touch that it does for sight so you are sending a message uh <clears throat> now lots of lots of types of coatings can 
can can even enhance the message uh raised you know the, i used to i love that when we when that first came out raised ink on business cards and you could feel the texture on there uh of course embossing you can still emboss it, it is around uh you can add a rough sandpaper feel soft touch is a is a like a latex coating uh, it feels velvety uh, etch coat creates fine line patterns there's all kinds of these things now as always i say test this because you know uh i i did work for general binding corporation gbc and i helped them launch a catalog which is up on the wall behind me but uh they they sent me a mailing piece that they had done on their own after without me and they'd mailed out 150,000 pieces and gotten like three leads uh they were selling the laminating equipment and so they they laminated it so it was it was uh, a plastic coating it could have been all varnish um i always like spot varnish because spot varnish um here's a couple of more full varnish you know the whole thing feels like plastic coated you can actually plastic coat it uh, i don't think they did though um you know and and sometimes you hit you hit varnish and then you uv give it uv light to harden it there's all kinds of there's all kinds of methodologies and one of the things that these textures do is they they'll limit the, the number of printers you can go get quotes from because only so many printers do you know probably there's probably aren't very many that do all of these and there's some that do this and some to do that which means if you're committed to one kind of coating or another uh you're going to be limiting your your print options now uh, uh the way i always i approach it almost always is the opposite i say to, to my printer which ones would you recommend which ones can you do and um because the average consumer probably can't tell the difference between varnish and aqueous and uv um i always like when you put when you put images and you and you spot varnish them because it makes them look like much more like you know old school photographs but anyway so they laminated this piece and they were selling laminators so that makes a lot of sense but they got almost no response at all this wasn't sales it was three leads out of 200 out of 150,000 piece mailing and um so there was a lot of things i took issue with but one of them was that they that they had this sale offer and there wasn't really a sale in it so it was disingenuous to put that up there um somebody just thought by adding the word sale to a piece it automatically would increase response and actually it can take away the credibility but when you put sale along with a beautiful cover stock or a or a coating or other or you know gold foil uh, you don't want to make it look too fancy if you're trying to say that this is a value piece. And so uh, we changed that and it turned it, it all around um, by making it less fancy. So I always say test. You always have to test. Make sure to check your mail service provider to see if they can inch it over the protective coating. That's another thing. Make sure they can put an address on it. A paper envelope can be inkjetted. Is that a verb? Uh, but poly bags will require labels. The more pe the more people who see your mailer talk about it and share it, the better your response will be. Sensory input leaves a lasting in impression, but not all of it will boost sales. That's something to know. It's always a cost benefit. 
Okay. Um, I was going to talk on purpose today, and there was an interesting article by Greg Hahn, um, and uh, he says, he says, this was a really interesting story. There was a form of punishment that used to be used on prisoners, which has been outlawed and declared torture, but they would, they would have the prisoners go out into a field, dig a ditch for eight hours. At the end of eight hours, they would have to fill the ditch back in with the dirt they'd removed every day, day in and day out. The reason it was determined to be torture was not due to the physical nature of the task, but the mental. The sheer futility of the effort drove the prisoners mad. I don't know if that's true, but it is an interesting perspective. Does that sound like your job? I remember, you know, I remember when we started doing, uh, we started using word processors to drive our typesetting so we could make changes a lot more easily than we, when we had an X-Acto knife and we had to cut the word out and put a new word in there or something like that. And so I showed my boss the, um, I showed my boss the, uh, the catalog, you know, the copy, uh, the copy layouts and, uh, we had, you know, our copywriter had been using manufactured pickup type and he took the word gray that my boss saw that the word gray was sometimes spelled G R E Y and sometimes G R A Y. And he insisted that we fix all of them and make them all the same. I don't remember which. And so we did, we, you know, we had a word processor. We could redo that search and replace. And, uh, then at the, then a few weeks later, he noticed that they were all spelled G-R, let's say G-R-E-Y, it doesn't matter what it was. And he decided they all needed to be changed to the other way. <laughs> and uh, I think I wrote an article one time about what would, how would we have done if we would have just left the catalog alone with all the typos and all the mistakes? <laughs> would it have really done any worse? And does anybody know? And does ever, anybody ever want to test that? It sounds like, you know, the, the perfection and the insanity of it. Uh, so anyway, you know, the client will change it one way and you, you, you argue for your way and they, but you give in to their way and then they change it back, insisting that it was, it would be much better if it was the other way, which was what you had in the first place. Uh, so, um, so, so Greg says, you know, there's a famous story about a, a guy watching a bricklayer day after day after day, piling up bricks. And finally, he went to him and said, how can you do this every day, day in and day out? How can you just pile up these bricks? And he said, the bricklayer said, I'm not piling up bricks. I'm building a cathedral. And so Greg says, if you understand that your advertising job is building a cathedral because your company has purpose, um, you can be the difference between a laborer and a craft person. You know, I, I don't know. I think that's somewhat true. <clears throat> I think I try to in, improve the quality of marketing in the world day in and day out. And I enjoy learning and I enjoy sharing it with you. Um, but I'm pretty sure that um, when you know what you're, what you're doing is adding to the mission, there's no wasted effort. But, you know, Zero Hedge says, ultimately, we all, we're all going to go. And, you know, if you, if, you, if you can tell me about your great-great-grandfather, much of anything, uh, you know, that tells you what 
you're not going to find your purpose in necessarily in work or in publishing a book or in changing the world. Magical things can happen when people understand why they're there and why their work matters. But ultimately, your purpose probably is in a higher issue. And for that, we're not going to talk about it on this show. <laughs> so we get over to Mark Ritson. Here's a, it's a long article, 11 to 14 minutes. And he starts out with, uh, with one of the investors, Terry Smith, criticizing Unilever's obsession with the purpose of brands such as Hellman's. And Ritson's talked on this before. Peter Field in 2021 talked about how, in general, advertising that focuses on the purpose of the company doesn't do as well in, in impacting the, the business and selling the mayonnaise as advertising that just talks about how good the mayonnaise is. Okay, it's just the way it is. And uh, then somebody got, then people got mad because the marketing world is very woke and said, but what about, you know, great purpose? Can't great purpose work? And so Peter went back and measured, you know, looked at the best purpose-driven driven ads and found out that the best purpose-driven ads were better than average non-purpose-driven ads. Okay, you win there. But then somebody said, well, what about the best non-purpose-driven ads? Well, they beat the best purpose-driven ads. So in general, you're sending two messages when you're trying to communicate your purpose. You know, if you're just going to say, our vegan mayo is the best on, in the, in the, on the market and it's as good as our regular mayo, if that's your message, probably that's easier to communicate in a 30-second spot than... You need to be vegan to enjoy mayo <laughs> or something. You know, there's two messages. If you try to sell vegan on top of your vegan mayo, uh, you've got more to say and it's more complicated. And some people will object to your premise, you know, that vegan isn't really a purpose. <laughs> and some people will object to your saying it's a good mayo. <laughs> Whereas if you just say it's a good mayo, you know, you, it's much easier to, to pull off. So uh, great article you want to dig down into here. Um, <laughs> but generally, Mark is saying it's okay to have purpose. It's okay to have purpose and not shout about it. It's okay to, 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 to advertise without mentioning purpose. Uh you know, we want everyone to, we want to insist that everyone needs to have purpose. And my problem with that most of the time is that it's not just enough to have purpose, but you have to have the right purpose. You know, it has to be diversity. I saw an article that I didn't cover about how, about how some of the NFL coaches who are black are, are are not are being changed out for new coaches. Well, it's something that always happens with coaches. When a team consistently loses, they fire the coach. Now, you can applaud the diversity, but you know, mostly coaching is about winning, and most team owners want their team to win. And so, if you put diversity above winning, saying, well, we don't care if we win, we're going to have a coach of color, and they don't win, eventually 
you probably won't have that coach. Now, will you get another coach of color? You might. You might not. It's one piece of the equation, you know. And I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad piece. I'm just saying that it's, you know, it's it's not the only question. You know, Colin Kaepernick, two and fourteen, his last sixteen games or something. <laughs> he can think that's about discrimination, but I think it was about consistent losing. <laughs> And, you know, and if if I don't win, it doesn't matter how much, you know, the color of my skin matters if I'm in the game to win. Uh, so you, you, you have to balance all that. And I think that's what Ritson is saying. You have to balance it all. And oftentimes, here's, here's weak, non-purpose cases, purpose cases. Okay, this is too complicated for me. But basically, the non-purpose cases win, uh, even in the stellar category, and uh, mostly in the weak advertising, the the purpose-driven uh, are are <laughs> well. It's complicated. Anyway, I highly recommend you download this, and uh, you know some of you know that I've been been battling a little bug here, and so uh, just play this at double speed because it'll it'll make it all go. Purpose is a strategy and as a strategy it's a strategic choice. You can talk about it. You may alienate half your market, you know. That's your choice, right? Targeting is a choice, objectives are a choice. You can go after the 1%, you can charge an enormous amount, make a profit. You can go after the the 50%, you know, who are below average net worth or income and have a low priced value at brand and you can be very, very, very profitable. Um, both are a choice. And talking about yourself and your purpose and thinking that everyone likes it is probably a mistake, but some people will like it. And so you may get a more loyal small group uh, that helps you, your profitability. Here's the part that's really interesting. Uh, it, the question is whether or not you should make it should it should figure into making money. And what um, everyone seems everyone it seems want to prove wants to prove that purpose will pay. But if it's really a purpose, then in some ways it's more important. It's like the, if you have a football team and you say diversity is more important than winning. So we're going to have a lot of people from a lot of different countries on our team. <laughs> but there are other perspectives. If you lose all the games, you know, somebody may change that after a while. Uh, why do marketers make the naive assumption that you can have your purpose cake and be paid for eating it too? Maybe it should cost you, but your shareholders may not like that, you know, so you got to work that all out. Uh, goals other than improved profits are exactly what purpose is about. So I hope I've, I hope I've clarified that, you know, sometimes it's going to cost you. And if you want it to cost you, talk it up. Have a great day. Like and share. We've got a pretty good crowd already registered for the WDMA meetup next Tuesday, 2 p.m. Central. 
Um, but there's always room because not everybody shows up and we always have a good conversation and the style consultant keeps everybody in line. So get over there, register. Also, these articles are available every day on the show notes at WDMA.org. Bye-bye.